Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Grammar Girl here. This week, I'll talk about champing at the bit versus chomping at the bit. We'll talk to the savvy psychologist about how our brains process hearing people exaggerate numbers. And finally, I'll reveal my pick for word of the year. Mark E. from Portland, Oregon, said he regularly comes across the phrase chomping at the bit, but he believes it should be champing at the bit. Mark has a point. The original phrase is indeed champing at the bit. But chomping at the bit emerged in America in the 1930s, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, and has overtaken chomping at the bit in common use. A Google web search for chomping at the bit returns about twice as many results as a search for champing at the bit. Champing at the bit is still used just slightly more often than chomping at the bit in published books but you can see chomping rapidly gaining ground in the Google Ngram chart that shows how often words and phrases are used in books. And chomping has actually overtaken champing, even in published books, if you filter the search so that you look at just American English. Champ is an older, more formal word that means to gnash or chew on something, as a horse would a bit. But we don't use champ much in American English we're more likely to use the more informal word chomp, which is probably why people remember the phrase incorrectly. Frequency alone doesn't make champing at the bit correct, but most style guides and dictionaries I checked also refrain from going so far as to say that it's incorrect. This is language change at the point where you probably can't win. No matter which form you choose, some people will think you got it wrong. I'm going to stick with the original phrase, champing at the bit. Messages from people like Mark show that not everyone will overlook it if you decide to use the more popular chomping at the bit. My memory trick to remember which word to use is to think of a horse named champ. That quick and dirty tip was from my book, 101 Misused Words You'll Never Confuse Again, available where all fine books are sold. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. 
Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career, so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Next, I have Ellen Hendrickson, the savvy psychologist, here to tell us about a new study that explains how our brains process certain kinds of figurative language. Welcome, Ellen. Thank you so much for having me. So, yes, I am here to talk about how our brains recognize hyperbole. Because when you think about it, we seldom say what we mean. So, for example, if you ask me about holiday shopping, I might say it took forever to get a parking space at the mall. Or that it was worth it because I got the deal of the century. Taken literally, what I'm saying is completely untrue. But because our brains understand hyperbole, you immediately know what I mean. And in computer science, so one of the holy grails is to teach machines to understand non-literal language like hyperbole. A computer that can understand Shakespeare is still a long way away. But a new study from the lab of Stanford psychology professor Dr. Noah Goodman gets us one step closer. So he and his students created a mathematical model of how people understand figurative language, specifically hyperbole in numbers. So, for example, when I tell my kids I used to walk 15 miles uphill in the snow to school, they immediately know I'm full of it. Their brains can tell the difference between fact and hyperbolic exaggeration easily. But how? How do their and our brains toggle between literal numbers and figurative numbers? One thing the researchers found is the importance of what they call round versus sharp numbers. So, for instance, say I spot a coveted frozen snow glow Elsa at the toy store. You ask me how much it costs, and I might say, oh my goodness, it was $43. How much would you think it was? Well, probably $43. Right, exactly. (laughs) But what if I said, oh my goodness, it was $1,000. How much would you think it cost then? Well, then probably not $1,000. I'd probably think it was just really expensive. Exactly. So, But why would I bother to say 1000 Why wouldn't I just say it was really expensive? I don't know. Maybe for emphasis? Exactly. You, that's exactly right. So, so it's that plus three other things that the mathematical model covered. So one, it also conveys emotion. I'm a little bit outraged or flabbergasted. And two, it implies an opinion, not just that it's really expensive, but that it's overpriced. And finally, it's a more familiar way of addressing each other, so it builds or affirms the fact that we're buddies. And so I'll bet that your brain intuited all this automatically. You knew I was being literal when I said $43 and that I was using hyperbole when I said $1,000. So that's due to what's called the pragmatic halo effect, which the paper describes this way. Quote, pragmatic halo refers to people's tendency to interpret round numbers such as 100 imprecisely and sharp numbers such as 103 precisely. And whether we use a round or sharp number depends on our goals. If precision is our biggest communication goal, we're more likely to use a sharp number. But if our goal is to convey emotion and emphasis, like in hyperbole, we're more likely to use round numbers. So in sum, we communicate in order to maximize our effectiveness. Like the pragmatic halo effect's name implies, we're pragmatic. 
Now, exactly how this lab created a mathematical formula out of this is beyond this episode. I'm going to pass that one over to Math Dude. But at the end of the day, we're getting closer to understanding how our brains decide what numbers are literal and which are figurative. That makes so much sense, Ellen. Thank you for coming on the show and explaining that. Absolutely. No no problem. Thank you so much for having me, and may a thousand of your holiday wishes come true. Oh, thank you. You can find Ellen Hendrickson's Savvy Psychologist podcast at all your favorite podcast places, including iTunes and Stitcher. And you can also find her at quickanddirtytips.com. iTunes Picked Her Show is one of the best new podcasts of 2014, so check it out. Words of the year come in different flavors. They can be words that seemed especially important, such as Merriam-Webster's choice, culture. Or they can be new words, such as the Oxford Dictionary's choice, vape. It's been a long time since I picked a word of the year, but in 2014, one in particular jumped out at me. It's a new word that I think could catch on, adulting. I first saw adulting when my family friend Lindsay Moreno tweeted it right before school started. She was starting college as a new freshman, and it had a rough day. And when I saw her write, adulting is hard, I knew just what she meant. When she explained that she'd spent the whole day sorting out problems at the DMV and the bank, I felt her pain. Adulting indeed is hard. The word stuck in my mind because it seemed so useful, and as word of the year season came upon us, I started researching the origin of adulting. Lindsay thought she hadn't heard it before and that maybe she even made it up. But the oldest reference I can find for it is from a tweet on May 22, 2010. A handy new tool called Who Tweeted It First helped me find that on that day in 2010, Daniel Croft wrote, Tonight, Queen Broadway really made me feel like an adult. Hashtag adulting. Adulting isn't in any mainstream dictionary that I checked and it wasn't even added to the Urban Dictionary until June of 2014. Yet today, it shows up more than 100 times a day on Twitter, and there are many websites and Tumblrs with adulting in their name. It's clearly in wide use on social media. Yet, it also hasn't quite gone mainstream. When I mentioned it to my graduate students at UNR, none of them had heard it, but they all seemed to like it. Perhaps the most interesting thing is that there's a popular blog called Adulting Blog, run by Kelly Williams-Brown. She launched that blog in July of 2011, and subsequently published a New York Times bestselling book called Adulting, How to Become a Grown-Up in 468 Easy-ish Steps, and that came out in May of 2013. I asked Kelly how she came up with the idea for the blog, and she wrote, quote, Like many people, I've found the process of keeping my life in order daunting. Things like how bleach worked, or how to stop celery from turning into that foul vegetal death slurry, were big challenges. My thought was that if I slowly, step-by-step, made the responsible adult choices, on an hourly basis, my life would be much more orderly and I'd be happier." Kelly doesn't think she heard the word before she launched her blog, but readily acknowledges that it's possible it was in use before then. She wrote, quote, I'm sure as a grammarian this will make you crazy, but I've enjoyed making nouns into verbs for a long time. Bridesmaiding, sandwiching, texasing, and so on. And I felt that adulting could not only be a useful word, but a great way to move through the world, unquote. 
Lindsay also said that she and her friends like making nouns into verbs. Everyone adds ing to words, she says. They talk about internetting, Facebooking, and when they're watching the TV show Supernatural, they're supernaturaling. And lest you think all this verbing of nouns is a new thing, I have an old example, too. An emeritus professor named Jake Hyten gave me a copy of a journalism handbook he wrote back in 1978 because he wanted me to see the grammar section. But one thing I noticed immediately was the chapter titles. Chapter 1 was Reflections on Newspapering, and the final chapter was Newspapering's Highest Law. And in case you're curious, telling the truth is that law. The other thing I've found about adulting is that when most people hear it, they immediately understand what it means and seem to think it fills a void. And Kelly said she's had the same experience. She says, quote, I think the reason it resonates is that we don't have a specific word for that process, and it's an important one. It feels good when you're adulting, unquote. That positive reaction, combined with adulting's popularity on social media, is why I think the word has a good chance of catching on. Finally, Annie, one of my graduate students, really, really wants to know what the opposite of adulting would be. So if you have any ideas, please leave a comment on this article at quickanddirtytips.com. And there you have it, my 2014 up-and-coming word of the year, adulting. I hope you had a great 2014 and enjoy the closing days of the year. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook as Grammar Girl, and you can find all my books at your favorite bookstores. That's all. Thanks for listening. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.